You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, you are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast. I'm Joel Rafidi. I got my co-host Eurosimos with me as always. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. Um, a lot of momentum behind what we're doing, and we really loving we're really loving the process of being able to put these episodes together for you week to week today no different we have another incredible guest sarah dehaven and we're diving deep into evolutionary astrology and the importance of divination the importance of self-knowledge and individuation and how these tools can really highlight for you as an individual who you are who you were born to be um, and what you need to do to start moving forward on the path of your highest calling before we get into that, our private exclusive membership community, Friends of the Truth, is now live. We're running into our second month. We had the incredible Jaguar Heart join us as a live expert last month. We've got David Whitehead joining us later this month. We'll get our live teaching coming up. Um, also, this is an incredible value-packed community. Some of the highest quality, highest integrity individuals imaginable are within our community. So if you feel the call, Come, join, hang out, get three calls a month, two live teachings, and begin to connect. And really the purpose that we created this platform for is to help you stay on the path of your highest calling, help you stay grounded and help you anchor to what it is that who you really are and what you're here to do. Because we want to see you thrive. We want to see the people who are committed to truth, committed to integrity, committed to authenticity, absolutely thrive. So you can find out everything you need to know at friendsofthetruth.co and you can apply to join our community there. All our episodes are on hereforthetruth.com. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were fully removed from YouTube. So we've now, we're now on Rumble as well as a backup option. But regardless, we're available on all the other um, podcast distributors. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening. It'll help us out greatly. And please enjoy this episode. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 92 of the Here for the Truth podcast. We have Sarah DeHaven in the house. She's an existential oracular guide to those willfully forging their own destiny. Along with innate and ancestral psychic gifts, she has honed an eclectic array of divination techniques to thoroughly comprehend the human psyche, to understand why it has lost its way and how to bring it back into accord with the self once and for all. She firmly believes that everyone is designed to thrive in this world in a very particular way. But in order to do so, we must be devoted to the desire to know who we are without delusion, denial, or fear. For when one endeavors to accept themselves fully, to know themselves with ever-deepening awareness, they are deemed worthy. They become attuned to their inherent navigational system, which affords them the ability to walk through life with sagacity and grace. With this in mind, Sarah crafts bespoke offerings that are specifically designed to recalibrate individuals to their very own natural rhythms, ways of being, working, living, and interacting with others. Sarah, you're absolutely speaking our language with everything mm. I've echoed there. And I'm really excited to get into this one and really view, I guess, individualism through the lens of evolutionary astrology um, as well. So just to start, can you give us a brief intro into how you were first introduced to evolutionary astrology and how it impacted your life. Yeah, I love this story because it's just like everything just happens in its own time, right? Everything unfolds how it must. And 
I I started off actually working as a as a psychic, as a busker psychic, like a street performer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I was using tarot and kipper cards, like like a cardomancy tool, um, mm-hmm. like a card reading uh, modality. And um, my mentor who taught me tarot also taught astrology. And I had to get into that because it was just calling me. Uh, so he taught me the basics of traditional astrology, which is essentially the sun out to Saturn. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, like Hellenistic style astro- astrology. Um, then I moved back to the Atlantic coast where I'm from, Halifax, and started training for the NCGR, which is the legit astrology guild. If you want to be taken care uh, seriously, you need credentials and numbers mm. after your name and letters or whatever, right? Of course. Yeah. So I, I learned how to hand draw a chart, calculate it and all that stuff, which I found fun. But when I was at a, an astrology conference in town, uh, someone put me on to evolutionary astrology. And there was actually a book in the metaphysical store where the conference was being held by Jeff Wolf Green, who kind of crafted and created this paradigm of evolutionary astrology. And I was told, don't go there. It's too out there, even for us astrologers. It's too weird. The guy who created it is just like, you're just too out there. Don't do it, right? You'll ruin your cred. <laughs> So it's just like, you know, um, I, I don't really care about that. What I care about is the fact that you are telling me not to read this book, which means yes. I got to read this book, right? Is it, is it amazing that there's like <laughs> consensus in the herd, even within like super alternative modalities and worlds? Like it's it's kind of wild to me. Anyways, continue. No, it's. It, I was thinking the same thing. I'm just like, wow, it's. I've actually ranted about this before, just how you can still be in a hive mind, but study the occult, which blew my mind. Like, I didn't know how that works. But anyway, um, I read the Pluto book. That's his first publication, Pluto, The Evolutionary Journey of the Soul. And that book, when I read that, I was just like, wow, it's deep psychology. It it, it explains, you know, why we came into this life, not just, oh, you're a Taurus, so this, and oh, you have a Cancer moon, so that. It's like, you have this Pluto, which means these are your vulnerabilities. This is what you incarnated to experience. And this is how you make it happen. Um, very much connected to natural law as well, like the law of polarity and the laws of correspondence and things mm-hmm. like that. It just ticked all the boxes for me. And I never looked back. I went full in on evolutionary astrology, uh, studied Jeff Wolf Green's uh a learning material, um, his school. Um, I also studied with one of his uh, teachers who has her own kind of like guild uh, offshoot of his. And um, I'm still voraciously studying it because I want to fully master it um, because I honestly feel like in addition to other forms of astrology, it's just a perfect piece for people who are trying to figure out why? Why am I here? Why did I have the parents that I have? Why am I experiencing the things I'm experiencing? And what do I do about it? Amazing. You're hired. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, send you, I'll send you an email after the show. Cool. <laughs> it's just so exciting when you come into like a modality like that. And like just mm-hmm. intuitively all your senses are lit up. And you know you're about to venture down a path of exploration, you know, which is something that's constantly going to give back to you um, as well through that process. If you don't mind, can you speak a little bit personally about your own relationship with evolutionary astrology and how I guess um, it's impacted you and what 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 has kind of echoed back to you in your life, if you don't mind? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I first got into astrology and I found out I was an Aries moon, I have to set this up, right? Yeah. Um, I was just like, what? I get angry? Really? <laughs> And it's hilarious because I've got Mars on my south node on the descendant. So if you know anything about astrology, it's like, yeah, you get angry. You just think everyone else is angry and you don't know why they're angry. <laughs> it's actually like you. Um, so I was like, wow, maybe there's something to this. But then as I studied EA, my gosh, like it, it really made me feel in a lot of ways like I was being affirmed for who it is I am, that there's a reason why I get angry. There's, there's specific reasons that I came into this life incarnated with anger with my Mars on my south node. Um, there's specific reasons why, you know, um, I keep coming across, like, for instance, um, I, uh, I had agoraphobia for 10 years from like the age of 20 to about 30. And um, it was severe really severe and agoraphobia is um like it's kind of like almost being like housebound mm -hmm. and i'd have panic attacks being in public and um i knew i was very sensitive psychically and also had some psychological damage from the way i grew up and whatnot like um abuse and whatnot uh and i was i was brought up to like live a life that was um morally and ethically and even lifestyle wise very antithetical to who i naturally am but I'm sure as you're aware, when you're, you know, when you're living in the world with people who are like in a herd state, sometimes we lose our way. And I certainly did. Um, I'm a Capricorn, for instance, and uh, <laughs> I am very much like, you know, I was devoted to my family. It's like, well, if they're telling me to be this way, like, I don't want them to disapprove of me. So I'm just going to adjust. The EA, when I looked at it, it was like, you need family you want relationship you want a human family essentially you want you want to get along with everyone but you're losing yourself in the process i mean it spoke to my uranus in the fourth house too which spoke to like this ego fragmentation due to psychological um uh, betrayals from my family and that was totally a thing and you know so the ea not only did it explain so thoroughly and will continue to because there's just so much to see in a chart uh, what was going on with me um, from a multitude of angles, repeating themes, explaining this using this EA method, evolutionary astrology. Yeah. It also tells you how through uh, polarity to look to the opposite side and kind of grow out of your comfort zone so that you can actually manifest what's showing up in your chart in a way that um, we could say transmutes the impurities and allows you to access those seemingly uh, well, in like traditional astrology, for instance, someone would say um, having Uranus in the fourth house is bad. Having Pluto on the IC is bad. Uh, having Pluto squaring your sun and your Mercury is bad. These are all things I have in my chart. I'll say they're character builders more so if you look at it from an EA perspective. You just have to figure out how to honor your energy. And so it's helped me a lot and it continues to kind of remind me of who it is I am and where I even need to look at myself. One other thing yeah. I wanted to add is just um, as a woman, um, like for instance, I have Lilith, almost zero degrees square, my ascendant and my Mars, which speaks to, at least from the EA paradigm, uh, kind of like, like I'm here in a lot of ways to clean ancestrally the corruptions in the yin in myself, right? So these are insights that, yes, you can study psychology and there's a wealth of information there, but as someone like myself, I really just 
feel at home with this. It really makes a lot of sense to me looking at it yeah. from this. Yeah, I, I, well, I love what you said there too, because it's like, it's great to get general psychological knowledge, but these systems they they highlight things specifically for you as an individual that there's there's just i don't know it's just pretty empowering and, and amazing when you when you come face to face with it and i love what you also said earlier about like the polarity and looking to the other side and we have this duality within us where you know our personalities are the way they are because of lots of reasons we won't get into but mm -hmm. there's so much wisdom on the other side too when we over identify with certain ways of being if we're able to integrate the gifts from other sides within us we can we can get this knowledge and we can become more whole we can become more integrated we can build our character because we're not just standing on one leg we're standing on two legs and mm. we have we're grounded and we have wisdom coming from both sides as opposed to just one where we can be limited in terms of how we interact in different situations so anyway that was just cool i just picked up on that when you said that and it resonated yeah man for sure and like nothing has been more affirming like for my path in my life then you know the moments when i've gotten feedback from a divination system whether it's terascopic whether it's human design and it's just that gobsmack moment where it's like wow you know I, I already knew this about myself i have always been this way but then to have it highlighted where it's like you were freaking born this way why would you spend your time trying to be anything other than who you actually are how you were born and what you're here to do you know become who you were born to be nietzsche says and I love the link between psychology and astrology as well. I think I read somewhere recently, I don't know how true it is, but Carl Jung apparently wouldn't even work with a client unless he had their astrology chart in the first place. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, Jung, Jung was a huge fan of astrology and he, he, reaffirmed, he reaffirmed that many times in many different quotes um, from my understanding too, for sure. Um, Sarah, so can you speak on a more of a basic level now what the crux of evolutionary astrology is? I know it's has a lot to do with Pluto, um, obviously, but yeah, can you give us a broader overview of how that um, works and looks? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, if we were to like break it down to its bare bones, of course, you can look at the whole chart, every angle, every theoretical point, all that stuff. But if you were to just distill it to its basics, we look at Pluto. Um, we look at the nodes of the moon. Those are the two main pieces. We look at, and the nodes of Pluto too, um, because you can look at nodes for all the planets and they make heavy use of that. Okay, what are nodes? To, Just for those listening, oh, what are nodes? Yes. Yeah. So nodes are basically, um, and I'm probably going to butcher this description, but uh, the nodes speak to the future, the North node and the South node speaks to the past, but they're based on like what angle they hit the ecliptic. Mm -hmm. around the sun so that's like um we could say like an imaginary line that's like dividing the sun we could say yep um i'm pretty sure that's how it works to see this is why the ncgr would be like <laughs> you can't get a reading with sarah she didn't pass the test on how to <laughs> properly explain north node and south node according to the eclipse of the sun she's yeah. fired cancelled right <laughs> Yeah, that hasn't that hasn't happened already. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> tell me um, about it. But yeah, the North and South nodes they're they're just based off like you know like um the, have you heard of ever heard like the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic uh -huh. of Capricorn? Yeah. So those are actually like um, nodal points for the Moon because the Moon doesn't actually orbit around the Earth in an even line. It kind of goes on a bit of an angle. Okay. So when the Moon hits hits um, the angle in such a way where it's hitting like flush with the ecliptic it creates the notes in cool. any case 
One is the North Node. That's the future. That's the main point of Yi Like it wants to look more at what's going on from a metaphysical point of view. So the North Node speaks to what's unfolding from the now moment. And the South Node speaks to what we came into incarnate in this life. So in anyone's chart, first off, we look at Pluto because Pluto tells us what the individual incarnated into this life uh, as far as their most recent deepest psychological needs on a soul level. So for instance, somebody with, um, a, we'll go with the Pluto and Scorpio generation because that's like a Pluto ruled uh, sign or yeah. Um, so, I mean, Mars traditionally, but you know, whatever. Uh, so Scorpio and, and Pluto are inextricably linked. The Pluto and Scorpio generation define desire, the ability to transmute and, and uh, we could say refine the psyche from lead into gold. But they also have, um, because Pluto will also speak to the deep psychological corruptions that have accumulated along the path of evolution. Um, when we look at the planet itself, like I said, it shows what the person's most, I mean, if you think about it, theoretically, we could be living countless lives, or at least if we don't believe in past lives, we have it coded into our DNA on some level, everything that's happened up until this point, as far as our ancestors are concerned, right? So Pluto speaks to that as far as what's in your memory that needs to be brought up in this life, as far as what you'll be seeking from the deepest, most vulnerable psychological echelons of your being. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so from there, we can look at the south node of Pluto to understand how are you manifesting these desires in the past, the south node for everyone, and it will continue to be for like the next thousand years because the nodes of Pluto move very slow, which speaks to uh, understanding of human history as far as how we've been behaving as a collective and individually. The south node for everyone is in Capricorn. Shocker of all shockers, the control system, mm -hmm. the black cube, <laughs> you know, yep. right? So when we look at that, we get to see how we've been conditioned. Saturn speaking to conditioning oppressed and suppressed and how we were trying to get our soul's needs met from the scope of this, this construct of control. So we can look anywhere in the chart to where that is. We can look at the aspects from other planets, but really just looking at where it is by house uh, can tell us a lot. And um, so one other thing would be the south node of the moon. Those are the main pieces to look at our past. The, um, the south node of Pluto, its ruler, which is Capricorn um, or Saturn, um, and then the south node of the moon. So we look at that to understand the egocentric structure that the soul created. So that's basically your identity, the egocentric structure. The moon is considered the identity in um, evolutionary astrology as far as who we see ourselves as on the inside. So the south node speaks to the egocentric structures we created in the past that we're still drawing upon in our comfort zone from our natal moon. So if we look at the past, we can see where we came from. We look at the natal positions to understand what's unfolding now or what is here in the now. And then, sorry, we look at the north nodes to understand what's unfolding. So, so, yeah. so is your natal chart, obviously, if I went into any online software and pulled up a natal chart, it would be what it is, but then a, a tropical at least. And then you would interpret it through the evolutionary astrology lens. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. I just use the EA paradigm, the evolutionary astrology paradigm, and then also some other stuff that I throw in just based on what I've come across in my studies. But it's so interesting how much a lot of their paradigm aligns with 
practices that I've just been tooling around with and experimenting with. So it's largely evolutionary astrology. Yeah. Cool. So how does, um, I know you mentioned, uh, the control, the control matrix, the thing we're dealing with right now. What, um, what does astrology say, um, evolutionary astrology say about things moving forward? Does it talk about that? Like in terms of, uh, not say predicting, but just maybe tendencies of like where we're going as a, as a, collective on this planet yeah from what i understand they um because the founder who created this paradigm apparently he didn't even really create it it was inseminated to him through a dream by this dude named sri yukteswar (laughs) which is like the guru of paramahamsa yogananda which is part of why the ncgr peeps were like what are you doing? (laughs) Um, But the thing is, is that um, where this is relevant, my point here with this is that Sri Yukteswar speaks to like the yugas, the ages, Uh Um, you know, and these are thousands and thousands of years of cycles where we would have hit our spiritual heights. And right now we're kind of coming out of like the muck of the middle ages, we could say, and slowly, slowly creeping our way up spiritually um, and psychologically. And EA kind of speaks to that right now. Like we're just moving into what a lot of people deem the age of Aquarius, which is the um, the steps necessary to move upward spiritually. And I would argue to say, this is just my opinion, um, why that's relevant is because Aquarius speaks so much to individuation and also remembering who we are uh, from the deepest unconscious levels and bringing that forward into how we behave. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Um, would you say Aquarius also speaks to potentially technocracy? Oh my God, yeah. Especially when it's distorted. That's the thing about EA is that they're always talking about what's the natural because natural law is so important to evolutionary astrology. Um, we're going to see natural iterations, but certainly because of the control system and how it's it's suppressed and corrupted everything. Aquarius is invariably going to express in corrupted ways, which would be technocracy. It would be digital IDs, uh, universal basic income with your digital ID tied to it. Um, you know, friggin' metaverse, like all of it, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so basically, like depending on you know how authentic one's path is, you know, they can either diverge down the shadow side or more of a natural side of Aquarius. Is that right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's like also our choices too, right? I mean, because Aquarius is so, um, because it it speaks to trauma as well, because individuation, you get a, you know, you get smacked down hard if you really try to individuate as far as up to this point in human history, that's been the case. So it also speaks to the, um, the, uh, sorry, the long-term unconscious uh, individuated self. So it's always in us, that memory, and even that realization of who it is we've always been when they add, uh, that Aquarius archetype, at least that's what it speaks to. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, if you think about that, I, I honestly think that's why so many people are stuck in a herd state is because there's this deep trauma of like, they can't even connect the neural pathways to the possibility of, is it safe to do that? So yeah, it's choice based, but there's also this emotional disconnect. Secret, so- secret societies and also like um, exclusion is also connected to Aquarius too, like that kind of clickish attitude. So we can see that when it blows out of proportion as well. Cool. cool. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think where to go next with this. There's so much <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, first of all, I love I love that you shared a little bit of the backstory on how the foundations of EA were inseminated into an individual's mind through a dream state. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me uh, feel good. Even I, I'm a I'm kind of a student of human design, and the founder of human yeah. design, Ra. Obviously, this knowledge was came to him through a voice, like, like where the light was open and the door was open in his house, and then he walked in and the door shut, and a voice came to him for eight days, and he was just writing shit down. So I was like. Yeah. like Hey man, I mean, I, I, there's a part of me that's like skeptic with some of this stuff. And at the same time, here you share this story about some ancestor of some, you know, Eastern mystic um, inseminating this in someone and then this happening to Ra and like, it's pretty cool, you know, like, who am I to say like that didn't happen? And, and at the end of the exactly. day, the proof is in the pudding. Here's a system or both of these systems that obviously have an impact on, on people's lives and help empower them to know themselves on a deeper level. So there seems to be this 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 field out there of, of knowledge of intelligence where people tap into it or they're chosen. I don't know. And it's, it's pretty cool. You know, these, these vessels that come through and they go, okay, I'm going to, this is part of my mission and my purpose. I'm going to deliver this knowledge to more and more people. Yeah. I feel like, Oh, sorry, Joel. Sorry about that. No, no, don't be sorry at all. Go for it. Oh, I was just going to say like, based on my studies, I mean, it's real interesting because I feel like everyone's like a, if you think about like a prism, we're all hitting reality at a certain angle, right? So we're shedding certain light and are able to see from a certain perspective. So I think if people have like certain energies line up, you can even see it in the astrology. If you do like charts together to look at them, you can almost see how they were like at the perfect angle to pick up that cell phone call, if that makes any sense. Mm, Yeah, it does. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like reality is so... Um, nuanced and people can be so quickly inclined to like throw out the baby with the bathwater. Everyone's looking for a very simplistic black and white lens to understand reality through, you know. So it's walking that fine line between like, you know, reality, like rationality, and also like mysticism and understanding that, you know, these, these, this crazy stuff does happen. And we don't understand any extent, like barely any extent of what's really going on in like the quantum field. Um, but, you know, for someone that's walking a path like just, straight discernment, rationality, reason, they can be so quick and easy to cut off, you know, some of the more um, uh, mystical aspects of reality too. So yeah, it's complex. Even, it's complex. It is. Even, reality, yeah. yeah, even like the subject of NDEs and near-death experiences. You know, I was just talking to a, a friend recently who two, was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he like got into an accident on his bike and was in a coma for half a day. And he said that he saw the white light and his dad and his and his grandfather were there and his dad was like, Hey, you can come over if you want. And his grandfather was like, no, you got some unfinished business. And he like went back and fucking like, and he woke up, you know, like fuck dude. Like I, that's wild. It's wild. You know? Yeah. And yet people are like, well, I don't know. You need to be hooked up to a machine. We need to measure that to make sure that it's extra. And it shows up onto <laughs> a data real? fields, data points. <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. I know I wasn't there with you. I wasn't in the coma with you, but you're crazy. And that's false. Like, you know, so yeah, life is much more nuanced than that. So yeah, sure. Anyways, Sarah, um, I want to get this in clear language for the listeners. What is individuation? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me try that one. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think that individuation is accepting yourself and being that, but it's actually a process of 
self-discovery, Michael Tessarian speaks of one process that's very important, and that's the apophatic approach. I think for a lot of people, that is very useful. Some people just come out of the gate knowing, and they're here to shine, and they don't really need a, a hand with that. But a lot of us need to kind of remember who it is that we are through realizing what we're not. Yeah. You know, and that speaks to the Libra Aries polarity, where Aries is instinctive initiated action. I'm not thinking about about you. I'm just doing the thing. And Libra is observing and wanting to relate. So it's it's just yeah. that whole like with Libra, they can lose themselves, right? Uh, I'm part mm -hmm. of the Pluto and Libra generation. That's one of our issues is that we desire so much to to be in equanimity and harmony in all things that we can literally um just be whatever it is we need to be for someone else so that everything's hunky-dory except that it never really is right um but it you know it, it can be a thing but i do think everyone carries all of the archetypes in them and on some level just through the nature of um like in ea they talk about the natural zodiac how we all embody these archetypes in different ways regardless of where our planets show up and things like that everyone's going to be relating with other people. Everyone's going to be initiating action instinctually on some level. So yeah, it's, um, I think as far as individuation goes though, it's a, it's a, who we are as an individual is someone we've always been. We were born that way. We were always somebody that, you know, and, and it's someone very unique and particular. Um, the interesting thing about how we interface with reality is this is the this is the mind fuck that that I've come across over the years of studying this and and observing people is that everyone interfaces with this reality in a very unique and particular way and when I say that that's just not some like fluffy shit to say like part of my language it's just it's true Earth. if you observe yeah. people yeah. they some people can say and do things and another pe person tries to emulate that and it's for one person's success and catastrophe for another to me, I, I, it just speaks to, like you guys were saying, just about this reality being nuanced. I think that, you know, that barely begins to describe what the heck all of this even really is. It really yeah. is a construct of consciousness. So yeah, I mean, we're tuned as far as our tone goes. That's totally. indication, right? Yeah. Also, I love how you said, excuse my language after you said shit, but not after you said fuck. So I think... <laughs> is that said, a Canadian I think, thing? I So I know the hierarchy of curse words, where they lie in Sarah's psyche right now. <laughs> this is all good. It's uh, hilarious, man. But it. like, know thyself, right? Isn't that really yeah. the, the only pathway to really understanding how you're meant to interface with this reality? And, you know, it's obviously a lot easier said than done, know thyself. But through these various tools, we can really begin to hone in who we actually are as an individual. You know, we all have unique ways of being and responding to life and to reality. Um, but like, you, like we mentioned, through the herd mentality, we're so conditioned to try emulate others and copy their path to success and their path to happiness and fulfillment um, and whatnot. But like you mentioned, like the apathetic process of discovering what doesn't work. But what what if like an individual doesn't have the intuitive senses to realize that hey I'm coming up against a brick wall and this isn't worth this isn't this isn't working for me but I'm gonna keep trying anyway like I feel like many people can get stuck there you know yeah I, like I have all the Aries Mars so I I know exactly what that's like <laughs> going head first at everything and then just figuring out oh wait maybe if I don't do that 
and try something else. Um, sometimes we have to, I think, if you think about evolution and how long it takes for things to change, I don't think that humanity would take as long as it does to change if there wasn't so much manipulation happening, that mm -hmm. I want to say. But at the same time, it's still a slow process. And so um, for some people who may not be connected to their intuition for whatever reason that is, um, that's where Mars comes in from evolutionary astrology. Mars will always, even if it looks like you failed, you've never failed. You're figuring out how to get what the soul wants. Mars is basically um, the action-taking faculty for Pluto, right? So even if it seems like you're making mistakes, even if you invite violence into your life or something blows up in your face, maybe even quite literally in a lot of ways, um, we're always figuring out how to recalibrate. So the best thing I would advise to anybody who's struggling with their intuition, if they're if they're still struggling, even after studying themselves using wonderful modalities like human design, tarot, gene keys, astrology, like all of the things, I Ching, you know, like there's a lot yep. out there. Um, even if, the, and even psychology, of course, too. Uh, if they're still struggling, then it would just be, I would just say be patient with yourself and kind with yourself and let yourself figure it out, right? Like listen to your body too. That's a big piece that one that I forgot to mention is yep. developing somatic awareness because that increases your intuition as well. Yeah, that was what I was going to highlight. Even I feel like I come across this with human design where it's like people have their inner authority, you know, which is their appropriate way to make decisions. But what if they haven't done the somatic work? What if they're highly traumatized and their nervous system is dysregulated? Like, yeah. like mm -hmm. how do you take advantage of this knowledge that's there in your chart in terms of who you're born to be when you're completely dysregulated? So sometimes I feel like there has to be some foundational somatic work or start eating healthy or being in a different environment in order to be able to hear this hear this intuition or align more with that person you are meant to be or born to be now again some of this might be also highlighted in your chart too on how why that may be challenging or why why certain traumas impacted you in a certain way you know and that's that's what i find interesting about these systems or astrology where it's like okay well people can have these similar experiences or experience these, these similar events, but then certain things stick on certain people in a way that they won't on others. And so does, does, does evolutionary astrology go into that at all in terms of how, let's say, a trauma is going to impact you versus maybe someone else who has a different kind of alignment in their chart? Yeah, it totally does. That's part of why I love it. Because like, I, one of the things that, I mean, when I was, really in a state of we'll just say like well I've mentioned it before pretty openly like I was pretty high on the sociopathic like level uh because that's just how I thought you lived everyone around me was like that so I just thought that's what you do and one of my favorite things is it's always been and I think it's inherent to me honestly if you look at my chart I love to dig 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 and figure out what the hell's going on <laughs> in the psyche of me or whoever I'm interested in and um and that's why I love EA because you can dig, dig, dig right down. And of course, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and all that. But it can tell you that. It can tell you how and why the trauma is sticking to you the way it is, how it's going to affect your body, um, how it'll affect your psyche, how it has been. And uh, most importantly, uh, from there, what to do about it. It tells you how to handle it your way, right? Because for some people, and this is one of the controversial things that, um, I, I I feel like 
I mean, some people have have differing opinion, but for instance, my stance on addictions is very different than most people. I honestly think that depending on the person, sometimes they need to experience certain addictions to their full so that they can get context and move through it. But for another person, that may not be appropriate. Um, The chart can actually show this. And of course, that is like, I wouldn't be going around telling everyone, you know, if you're smoking meth, you should keep smoking meth or something. But what I'm saying is, is if someone has something that they're having difficulty shedding, sometimes because of the nature of the soul and that deep desire, sometimes that is like some sort of a placeholder that's getting them what they need until they figure out like on a somatic and even like metaphysical level the subconscious comes to realize, oh, wait, that's not working for me. I need to exhaust that desire, so to speak, and move on. But yeah, you can see all sorts. Yeah. That, that, that's the sermon building, isn't it? Yeah. Like ultimately that individual has to have the experience the way they need, they need to have the experience for them to develop the wisdom to be like, okay, now I realize that that's not the path for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this what, yeah. Let's say this is why I'm like, I'm such a fan of such an individualized approach to working with someone and having these tools and this knowledge highlights that as opposed to like, okay, everyone, you have to live your life this way and do these things and addiction is bad. And, you know, what X, Y, Z, you know, whereas EA or something else can highlight something that's really unique that's going to work for you and might not work for someone else. And, and uh, I think this is the approach that I think more and more people are open to and they're hungry to experience is like, and like, I'm a unique person. Like just, I know that class or that book worked for you, but it doesn't resonate with me. So yeah. I need to go on my path and I need to figure out what it is for me that's going to support me to, to, to deal with this issue that I've dealt with for three decades. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I think about just how uniquely suited people are to thrive, like not just eke out an existence, but actually thrive and contribute to the collective. It, I, I just... It blows my mind how many people don't realize, but it's not a surprise at the same time because the um, the spell has been so effective. Though at the same time, Neptune being in Pisces is kind of an interesting transit because it's been so disillusioning for people to see, wait a second, this paradigm doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even your most quote unquote average person is coming to realize that the way of life that most have considered to be normal for so long just doesn't offer happiness and even stability or security anymore. That's for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting. I had a, I had a friend of mine just the other day again who was telling me how for the last two, three years he's been trying to share about things that are going on in the world from his perspective. And he's got relatives like like parents and siblings that are doctors and they just like won't even take anything in and then he just hit me up recently and was like they actually gave me the space to share everything that i know and my views and my thoughts and he was like yeah my mom was like oh that's very interesting maybe you can tell me more you know so like it's cool i think there are more people like again i'm not going to sit there and say like there's going to be this mass awakening but there are more individuals that i think are seeing like there are these cracks where they're like something is off like what the news is telling us, what my education told me, like, is just weird, you know? And so, so that's what, that's what excites me, you know, because this is the, I mean, obviously this is the business we're in. This is the thing that I've been into for so long is truth, inner truth, outer truth, and how to support people to, to or guide people towards that. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of exciting. And based on what you said too, it's just like, 
more people are, I think, a little bit more open. I'm not saying everyone. Obviously, they're the they're people that I don't know in this lifetime if they're gonna, you know, have their come to Jesus moment about things happening in the world or presidents or you know the globalist elites, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, or even just in their own life, you know, in terms of like, fuck, I've been doing this job for 30, 40 years. I'm miserable. I'm in this relationship. I hate it. Like, (laughs) let me change it. Yeah. And deal with whatever comes with that, which obviously the more you stuff things under the rug and ignore, 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 that moment of awakening is most likely going to be pretty fucking intense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's huge fucking cracks, bro. There are huge cracks propping up all over the place, you know, I reckon. And there's many people beginning to fall through now and and realizing um, the illusion that they've been living in. And I think more and more people like are beginning to reclaim the mystery of who the hell they are in the first place. You know, no one, there's, especially with the age of information, you know, which I think is another Aquarius thing and the rise of the internet um, and whatnot. There's just so much more capacity and capability to, to open the walls, to broaden your horizons, to no longer be stuck in that cubicle and just live out a mundane existence um, for, for their, you know, for, for the majority of their life. So to me, it's very exciting personally. Oh yeah, I I definitely think it's super excited over it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think I think it's I think it's super exciting for individuals that first of all know themselves, you know, like aren't living in fear, and and know that like the time is ripe now for you to really embody like what you came here to do, you know, and to be curious about it, and that's what we're psyched about, you know, Joel and I with our platform with our coaching program, everything we do is like, we want those people that are seeking truth that really want to rise above that want to just know themselves on the deepest levels and start doing the things that are in alignment with what their soul came here to experience that light them up, that excite them, that, that make them feel honored and recognized. And, uh, that's exciting. You know, I love dealing with people in that manner, you know, and having these kinds of conversations because this is cool. All this knowledge, all this information, astrology, numerology, like I'm not saying I'm an expert. I know a little bit about certain things, but like my life, I don't think would be what it is right now if these tools like human design, like the cards based on playing cards, numerology, astrology, like they all like they shine a light about different things that made me look in the mirror and be like, oh, fuck, that's totally, it totally makes sense why I'm so badass at that or why that shit's hard or, or why this is a challenge. And, and it just allows you to kind of zero in and, and really hold space for that with your, within yourself to just be like, okay, cool. I know myself. I got to work on this. Oh, this makes sense. Why this is a little bit of a challenge. I can, I can kind of own it more instead of being the victim to it in my own mind and, and then see where that takes you. So again, like you don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater, like Joel said, but this is knowledge, this is information. Take what lands for you, what resonates, you know, at a certain time in your life and that guides you more internally. And and anything that guides you to empower yourself and to own yourself and to love yourself more, I'm fucking all for, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I mean, I, I don't think I'd be even close to where I am now without these tools, because like I was saying, like you were talking about people built like without intuition, how do they navigate? I mean, for me, um, like it's interesting how my intuition works for certain things, but not so well with others. And one of them Mm. is tapping into like my inner guidance system, as far as like moral and ethical choices are concerned. 
um, because of the nature of the, the type of Scorpio contacts I have and the, the life that I grew up in and like spending so much time building neural pathways that were built to behaving certain ways. Like for a long time, my practice was what's the right thing to do here? How do I do the right thing? You know, and um, it's interesting because part of me innately knows what the right thing to do is, but I have a body reaction that's different too. Mm-hmm. So it can get very confusing. Wires get crossed, right? And so divination to me, I mean, I love using tarot and I Ching to get straight <laughs> on like what to do as far as what's the right choice to make so that I'm not just bettering my own situation, but doing something that is actually like, we could say nourishing for the whole situation that's unfolding for everyone. I, I can't, I can't recommend divination enough to people who want to, to increase their spiritual awareness and their intuitive abilities. It's just astrology is one thing, but it's a little more technical though. There's intuition involved having the feedback that cards and, you know, dice or um, like I Ching in this case, like for me, I mean, whatever it is, whatever works for you, as long as you're getting an, an honest answer back, that that yeah. is yeah. priceless. Tarot has never not blown my mind. Um, I'm, I've, I've studied in Michael DeSarian's mystery school as well. And I used to read um, professionally too. But every single time you pull a card, like it's almost like, how on point a reading is in terms of how specific it can be to the question. It's just every single time I've ever done it, it's just always blown my mind. And I've got this little story. I mean, last year, there was a break in Australia in between lockdowns. And my friend and his partner came to me and they wanted to, she's from Canada and they wanted to move back to Canada. This was before all the shit really went down in Canada. And he's like, bro, I'm going to pull a card for us. Should we move to Canada? And I pulled, <laughs> pulled a card. Literally, I got the tower right? Like it could not have been any more on point. Like, bro, do not move to Canada. Then he's like, all right, so then should we move down the coast? I'm talking like three, four hours away, fully remote, um, south coast of New South Wales. I got the hermit. I pulled the hermit. I'm like, yep, absolutely move down the coast. They moved down the coast. Now they're engaged. They got a baby. They're living life. They're loving life. And it's just this one pull, you know, it can just change the, the trajectory of someone's life altogether. Like they were hell bent on getting to Canada. So, I mean, some things, they can't be explained so materialistically, so scientifically, but for an individual who's deeply connected to their intuition and you get this feedback from your environment or from a divination tool, you know, such as tarot or astrology, whatnot, you know, there's there's, there's an an alignment that takes place and it really can just change your life, you know? So I really implore everyone to go explore these arts. There's there's something else going on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say, just to add to that, like, this is the thing. Everyone has the ability to tap into the truth. Everyone has the ability to tap into their natural navigational system. And even if you're struggling, like you said, even a single pull of a card, if you yeah. have yeah. if you have the ability to figure out just how to breathe and allow the message to come from the card, you'll know whether you're bullshitting yourself or not. <laughs> like, it's just 100%. the way. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100% or 98%? No, 100%. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask this. I know we talked about it a little bit, but based on what's happening in the, in the US and what's been happening yes. for a bit and then what's about to, I don't know, unfold, mm-hmm. wh- how does that show up? Like, how does that show up from an evolutionary astrological standpoint? And where do you see things going from in terms of like the West? Oh, man. Well, um, so... 
I I just want to preface this in saying like I I don't make predictions emphatically. I just kind of look at the trend and then kind of forecast based on that. Um, so yeah, Pluto uh, U.S. had its Pluto return in February, as uh, tropically, and then sidereally they're going to have it in the twenty 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 four, and I think something's really going to pop off then, but we'll see. Um, in any case. The Pluto return for a nation is no small deal. It's a pretty big deal because it's a 248-year transit, Pluto. So when Pluto, a country, countries don't even last that long sometimes. So when a country actually has Pluto go all the way around to where it was when it incarnated, it speaks significantly to the development of the soul of the nation. And so when I say that, what I mean is like, when you look at a chart, for any kind of issue that happens, like opening a business or getting married or a country coming into form, it, it's like a snapshot of what in time is 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 unfolding, right? And so the country has a chance to manifest what was in that snapshot through its actions in, in subsequent time. Um, and yeah, with the U.S., I mean, if you look at their chart, it's written all over it to be a bastion of freedom for all beings, a place where people can go to, to um, like every, everything that they, the ideals, the whole concept of the American dream and liberty and stuff, even though a lot of that was kind of like a lie in a narrative, it's interesting how they, how that also aligns to the chart though. There's a North Node in Leo in the chart and so much cancer energy, a Saturn in Libra, you know, so there's like this diplomatic quality and all this stuff, but We've seen the country was founded on blood and genocide and slavery at the same time, too. It's Pluto is in Capricorn, which is a, an exceedingly difficult Pluto to have because there is an innate guilt in the subconscious of the nation, whether or not a lot of people want to agree to that or not. It's there. But there's also a power hungriness and a desire to be self-determined at the same time. There's all these different layers of how this is manifesting. And when I look at the U.S. and you know, a lot of astrologers were expecting more to happen when this return popped off, but they threw that trauma, that Corona trauma bomb when Saturn in Aquarius, um, Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius conjuncted in 2020, right? Um, where the nation was going up until that point, there was momentum being built more and more for the entrepreneur to take center stage, the individual, we could say, you know, um, the self-determined being, but I think we got put back a few steps because of what's popped off. And so where things are going, it's it's tough to say because I do think a lot of people are still so severely traumatized and also disoriented that they may not know where to go next because there's so much being lobbed at people right now, especially in the States. I mean, the country's dissolving. There's all this subterfuge and intrigue happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's becoming corporatized even more and more overtly. Uh, you know, I mean, and on one hand, I kind of see people plugging into the metaverse, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to be taking steam like they thought it would. The whole metaverse sa mm -hmm. sale, it's not working as much as I think they thought it would. So from what I can tell, I mean, I do think America really has a chance to kind of come back into their own, become a little more um, industrious individually. and. I have a feeling more permaculture technologies and sects will start coming together to kind of figure things out. If they do try to roll out the digital uh, currency, which I think is kind of an inevitability at this point, 
Um, more and more people, I think, are going to start figuring out ways to barter and get resources exchanged that don't involve money. There's so many possibilities for positive uh, potentials of the U.S., but it's not going to be without a major fight. And I don't know if they entirely will win just based on the trends from what I'm seeing, at least. When you say entirely win, you mean like which side? I mean, I should say that the ideal of the original imprint of the nation, which was the life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness for all beings. I, I do feel like that potential, it, the baby had that potential, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so I, I feel like part of it still wants to develop that. If you think about evolution and um, transits like Pluto being as slow as they are, that kind of ideal could take a long time to manifest. Um, but I do think we'll be seeing some moves in that direction. And we already are, um, a lot of more people are homesteading, you know, for instance, figuring out how to do it themselves, how to disconnect from the control system and, uh, get their fingers out of the pie, like all of these different branches of government that want their life force. So that's, that's positive to see. I think seeing people move away and, kind of try like, to realize, hey, wait a second, maybe I can figure this out myself. Maybe we can get our community together and, you know, work together on this. So there are positives for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, my wife and I were doing our, our version of that, you know, planting trees and trying to get more into permaculture. We got chickens. My wife just went to this weekend permaculture convergence in, in uh, Pasadena or Altadena, and they were learning all types of stuff and working animal husbandry and learning how to process chickens and rabbits. And, you know, it was pretty, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but I, I hear you there. It's it's uh, I think it's something that's necessary. I think people need to kind of go back to the land uh, to the degree that they want to. And, and it's comfortable for them and um, hopefully sooner than later, you know. Yeah, I think people quickly forget the trajectory that the US was on before the whole corona bomb, as you put it, um, hit, because it definitely was seeming to be heading towards, you know, a reclamation of some of the founding principles, individuality, freedom, entrepreneurship, you know, capitalism, free trade, etc. But so was corona in any kind of chart? Or was that because it almost seems like that was like just an artificial, you know, mind bomb to kind of just shift things um, from where they were headed. But yeah. Well, like I was saying how there's the natural cosmos, like the natural expression of these energies, and then there's the distortions and the corrupted versions. Yeah. They know yeah. astrology. They know probably a lot more than than I do uh, as far as the depths of the cycles go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident that they knew what was coming. They could sense it. And they've been putting pieces in place for decades now probably even longer than that, but, you know, for decades, putting the pieces in place to keep people just keep re-traumatizing them so that every time they feel like they have the courage to stand up on their own and try something and become an adult, they, they slap the kid down. That's one of the distortions of the Pluto and Capricorn. This is why we could see it in the chart is the dad that never wants to see their kid grow up because he might devour him. If you think about the Saturn myth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Saturn did not want his children to live. <laughs> he wanted to devour them. So that we can see that distortion in Capricorn too. Um, we could also see, uh, because there was a conjunction right before, now I, I want to say we couldn't see Corona specifically. I don't think any astrologer predicted that maybe somebody, but not anyone that I know in the mainstream that I was following at the time. Um, there was this conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto in Capricorn. 
And that was just like a month before Corona popped off. Uh, and when you have all that Capricorn coming together, and then you think about the south node of Jupiter in Capricorn, south node of Saturn in Capricorn, south node of Pluto in Capricorn, all of that control system energy fusing together right after or right before Saturn and Jupiter were about to conjunct in Aquarius. Basically, like what I'm saying is, is it's kind of like... Um, yeah, I mean, from what I can tell, I mean, because Saturn rules Aquarius traditionally too, it just doesn't want, there is a force. It's not even necessarily these people. There's a force, uh, which I usually just call corrupted yin, aka evil, <laughs> you know, that doesn't want to die. It doesn't want to die and it'll do everything it can to stay alive. So we could see it in the chart, just not particularly what it was going to be. And I knew a lot of idealistic astrologers that thought this was going to be a great thing. And then this happened. So um, so on one hand, though, I'm a little morose when I look at things sometimes. So I could kind of tell that we were going to get squeezed. I just didn't realize it was going to be on this level, though. I didn't think it was going to be this big. Yeah. yeah. It's you- like when there's this, you know, even like from a from parts work perspective, you know, when there's a part of the self that is being exposed, you know, or doesn't want to be found out, it's going to actually turn against the individual, right? It can actually, you know, this is where the whole phenomenon of psychic attacks and whatnot comes from in my, from my perspective. So like, if you think about it from like a collective level, if there was a collective psyche, so to speak, if there's this part of a collective psyche that is fears being exposed to such a degree, it will go to any lengths to prevent that from happening. Um, Yep. Just a little bit of, you know, I don't know, some context from yeah. my view. I, I wanted to see if you can comment on um, different astrologers, obviously, might have different political views. So the the lens through which they give readings is coming through their 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 political, their ideologies and their beliefs. So can you just comment on that? Because I feel like they're, I could be wrong, but a lot of the astrologers I've come across, they tend to lean towards more left left-leaning um yeah. tendencies and beliefs and there aren't many freedom liberty i'll even use the word more conservative like astrologers out there you know and so can you just comment on that like what if they're seeing the same chart but then they're just like they're like interpreting it through <laughs> their you know through their belief like how does that play out you know i'm just i just i'm just curious Yeah, no, I noticed that too. That's like massive projection. It's one of the biggest trappings of any kind of, like when we're doing this kind of work, it's so important to try to be clear headed and clear minded, but we're always going to see things from our angle, right? And if our angle is conditioned by wokeism, then we're going to put a little woke film over everything that we see, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think part of it too is because these esoteric arts are largely yin, if you think about it, um, that uh, because, you know, yin mind is kind of receiving, whereas masculine mind is willing. Um, it's kind of like receiving this. But if you have corruptions in your yin, you're not very well aware of what's going on inside of the feminine side of your psyche on top of that, then there's going to be this victim mentality, uh, which I could say is a distortion of Virgo in a sense, this victim mentality that wants to project villains out into the world rather than using astrology just as an example as a tool of self-empowerment you know to be able to see um where solutions are um i mean i still can't believe that a lot of 
it, it, like we were saying earlier, just how shocking. I honestly was very shocked to find out how many astrologers are just like not getting it. Mm. Like what's really going on here? I mean, like I've been I've been wrapped on the knuckles a few times for speaking up about it in public with other astrologers. So it's kind of just the thing. And I, I mean, I honestly feel like a lot of it has to do with, um, I just feel like it's some, it's a thick film of conditioning. I mean, like when I just sense them, that's where I'm, what I get is that they don't, I mean, oh man, I just want to say, it's just surprising to me how, like, I just feel like maybe they, they have a talent, but as far as psychological awareness goes of their own psyche, it must be lacking because how could it, how could you see things that way if you don't know yourself, like, like on the deeper level, something must be missing, but that's just my assessment. I could be wrong about that. That's just how I see it. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, there were so many people that worked in quote unquote intuitive fields during that period that, you know, when I got the jab as well, and just makes me really question your intuition personally. That's just yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you, what, yeah, you can go. Sure. So like apparently um, we just came out of a period I was reading where there were six planets in retrograde or something Mm -hmm. of that nature. Can you speak on retrograde as it's such a, I guess, common term out there these days? Um, How prevalent is it in your opinion? Um, I guess specifically Mercury retrograde Um, is the importance that mainstream places on it um, true or whatnot? I would say that it's not. I think the reason why that people freak out about it is because everyone's so used to going yang, yang, yang all the time. Do, do, do. They're not so used to when it's a retrograde, which is a time to be inward and introspective and kind of pay attention, right? It's move slower. Um, It's just a feminine period of time. And it speaks so much to the psyche, how we can have all these distortions in the feminine in how people behave, um, lack of psychological awareness, and then they lose their shit over a retrograde Mercury or something. And we had all these retrograde planets. Um, Mars is actually going to go retrograde soon, too. And I'm kind of excited to see how that goes, (laughs) just to see what happens. Um, But um, to me, that's a really frustrating one, in all honesty, because it is masculine energy in in a yin position. So it can be really frustrating for for that energy because it wants to move outward not inward um but yeah it depends on the planet just as an example there what what's going on and for some it can be tough like uh, i mean it depends on what's going on in the natal chart for instance like if you have say a, a retrograde venus in virgo in the seventh house i'm just thinking of somebody that i was studying recently they're having a really hard time retrograde venus wants to get its value system from within but we live in a world that tells you what your values should be. And so it can be very confusing. Um, but I do feel like this is why astrology is useful because if you know that that this is how you operate, you can accept yourself and know that it's just normal for you to not align with what the consensus thinks. If you have a retrograde Venus. Ret- retrogrades are nothing to fear. It's just times to be aware that maybe, especially if it's Mercury, just to slow down a little bit and pay more attention. And don't get mad at yourself if you do kind of go into yang mode because you're used to that being the energy most of the time during the year. Sometimes we just make a mistake. Um, I think it's just a good time anytime, regardless of whether it's a retrograde or not, to pay attention to how you're navigating the energies. We can feel shifts in the elements, you know, and all of these things. One other thing I did want to mention, though, from the EA paradigm is they do see 
retrogrades in a chart as something that you are actually reliving in this life in order to move forward because it was something that hasn't been adequately um, understood in order to move forward evolutionarily. So if you have a retrograde, it's about rebelling from conditioning. It's about reliving uh, life experiences that kind of just keep repeating so that you can get context and peel the layers of the onion into deeper awareness of yourself. And uh, it's it's about reconditioning, right? All the re-prefixes often apply to, to retrogrades. So although retrogrades can be quite frustrating for a person if they're hitting certain planets because it's like, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep experiencing this? Why do these people keep coming into my life? Like, I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with it. Um, it can, if you have the context of why it's happening, you can actually accelerate your evolution with the retrograde energy because it's so turned inward. So just wanted to add that too. No, cool. I appreciate it. So, um, can people use like astrology and the timing of transits and whatnot to actually make better quality of decisions for themselves and even for businesses, whether it's launching a service or, or, you know, not or whatnot. How can that benefit um, someone in that regard? Because, like, obviously during a retrograde, like, if it's if it's a yin, you wouldn't be out there, you know, all all action, so to speak, trying to um, change the world. So, if you can comment on that, please. Yeah, I, I know people who study. It's called electional astrology. Mm-hmm. That's when you elect a date uh, to either commence with a business or a marriage or buying a house or something like that. I think there's value to it. To me. Uh, for me and my path, that kind of stuff is like a kind of a big no-no because I find that it takes you more out of yourself. Mm. And so you start relying on the tool to tell you what to do and when to think and what to think. And so on one hand, it can be helpful if you have something that you just feel called to get a hand on as far as what's the best day. But I find um, for me, at least, I start worrying if I have to think of, oh, this is the perfect day. One of the things I've noticed is that if I'm in tune to my own rhythm, and I just decide to do something at a certain time, then I look at the transit just to see what was happening at the time. And often I'm like, wow, that was a really nice alignment. It's hitting my planets at a really nice angle. This is great. So I would say it depends on the person, um, but I would often caution people just not to become too reliant on that kind of stuff because um, if you're endeavoring to know yourself and reconnect to yourself, it it can be an impediment to that. Yeah, I think that's the issue. You know, I've talked to so many people and I observe in so many people where they work with a practitioner or astrologer, a seer or psychic. And it's like you start having a conversation like, well, but so-and-so said I should do this. But so so-and-so said I should do this. Like they they say it in this way that they're just like, I am I am a nobody. I I have no no ownership over myself, but this person told me to do it. So that's why I'm doing it. And I think anything that takes you away from honoring yourself, I'd be suspect. Now, that being said, it's information. Like if you hear something and it resonates and it maybe affirms something, then cool. Uh, or maybe makes you realize like, oh shit, I was wrong. But now I'm feeling it. And it's like, it's coming from you as opposed to this, like you've just absolved yourself of any self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want to like, okay, I'm just, I'm putting, I'm putting my entire life and what I do in your hands, because you said so. I'm giving my power away. And that's where I go. You need to be mindful. Like, great. These people might be great, astrologers, et cetera. But like, if you're giving your power away, Mm. you need to check yourself. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, in EA, that's one of the biggest things that they explain is that there's a certain level of they talk about soul development, like what age or development level <clears throat> you're at as, as a soul. And uh, one of the steps before I wouldn't say this is everyone across the board, but one of the traps of getting into the spiritual state after you've individuated, now you're coming to kind of like, know once you've become self-realized, God realized that whole thing. Um, eventually, because of the abilities that you can gain uh, as you develop this, this deeper awareness, one of the temptations is to say, I'm, I'm the one you need to come to, to get all the answers, right? And that's mm. such a trap. We should always be, at least from my opinion, always pointing the way home to the person so they can come home to themselves. The last thing I want, it's one of the most, like for me, it's one of the things that I've been carrying for many lives, or at least it's coded in my DNA. Because I'm not 100% on the past life thing, to be honest with you. I, I think there's a potential, but I know it's in my memory, at least, is mm. that there's a deep pain in getting people to do things they didn't want to do. Because it never really satisfies you when you find out that they did it because they were coerced or because they thought they uh, they had to do it that way. And then you find out it was the wrong thing, the wrong thing for them. It's such a to me, it's like such a sin. I feel terrible. I just want to empower people. Right. So they can. And also it makes me feel better. because It's like I don't have it on me. <laughs> I don't have the weight of telling this person what to do. Like, like I said, I have an Aries moon, yeah. so I'm an Aries mom. You figure it out. I'll help you be strong so you can figure it out, but I don't want to get my hands messy, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And I'm curious, actually, in the context of the last few years, how many people went that route and told people they needed to do something or force them or coerce them and then maybe had their moment of awakening and what are they going through now, you know? Mm. Or maybe they told someone to do something and that person had a reaction or whatever the case may be, and then you have to live with that. And so... You know, again, if you just bring 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 a person or support them to just take ownership and go back to them, go back to themselves to make the decision for themselves. That's what it's about. Like, I hate this guru shit, you know, yeah. like I'm just not into it. And anytime anyone in my life is trying to, like, compliment me, whether it's a, a client that I've worked on, you know, like I, I'll take it in and I'll receive it. And I cut the projection field and I'm just like, I'm human and I fuck up and I have issues, you know, like don't don't put all your shit on me like yeah. My goal is to get you to really understand and love yourself on the deepest levels and honor that and keep moving forward in life, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the way to be. So it's cool to hear you say that and that it's kind of aligned in, in EA as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So people like obviously from a traditional mainstream standpoint place a lot of emphasis um, specifically on their sun sign. Mm. Can you comment on that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the sun sign is pretty important. If you think about it, uh, just looking at the solar system, it is the central body in yeah. in the solar yeah. system. Um, it speaks to the purpose that we're actualizing in this life, right? So that's pretty important if you're someone who's choosing to be self-determined, to creatively self-actualize yourself, um, to, to uh, you could say, be your own sun, to shine, of course, everyone's sun is going to be a different element and there's different properties there. So how it shines is going to be very different from someone else. Like the typical Leo is going to be like, hello, and everyone's going to be like, oh, bask in your light. Whereas the Capricorn sun like me, <laughs> I shine by being uh, happy with my work and getting my work done and like making sure I have integrity and stuff like that. 
and uh, and trying to, to relax and not control things too much because natural Capricorn is not a control freak, but we also have that karma coming in. So, yeah, I mean, the what sun would a Gem- is... What would a Gemini be like? Gemini? <laughs> <laughs> Anything it wants to be in the moment, I suppose. Right? <laughs> yeah, sure. That sounds right. Yeah, they're fun, though. That's the fun part because they have that amorality bent. They get to just try on all the hats. Right. So that's the cool thing about Gemini because it also keeps Capricorn on its toes because it's in conjunct to Capricorn in society. So it's sort of like it, it, it's mutable air. So I just think of it as like a tornado one minute and a nice caressing breeze the next moment and like all these different things. I, I honestly think Gemini is a fun one because they get to be anything and also at the same time, multiple things if they want to. Like literally, it's kind of cool. That seems quite accurate. Mm. Thank yeah. you. Oh, while we're we're at this game, what would a Scorpio be? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it always depends on the whole chart, right? If one to look at those things. But I mean, a Scorpio obviously is going to be like the one who wants to figure shit out. And not only that, to get powerful, to become more powerful, to figure out how to break the limit and become more, right? Like they're here literally to transform. Like they're so synonymous with the soul itself. So Scorpio is going to be intrinsically linked to the soul's desire, whether they're conscious of it or not. Yeah. Everything you just said described our business partnership quite, <laughs> quite accurately. <laughs> it's an That's interesting cool. combo, Scorpio and Gemini, honestly. Yeah. 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 And a 5-1 um, profile and a 6-2 profile. Now I just got to get oh. all my E8. Yeah, I'm a 5-1. I'm a He's a 6-2. I don't know if you, I'm assuming okay. you know a little bit about human design because you brought it up as well. Yeah, I so. mean, I dabble in it. I don't know tons, but I do know like the five one profile because that's my husband and oh. uh, six two profile. Um, that's a new one to me, but it sounds like. Well, I mean, isn't the six like like um, it's a role model, role model, yeah, kind of like the person, the wise man kind of a thing? Yeah. yeah, and then the two is like um kind of like relationship oriented in a sense, isn't it? I don't know. I get that one mixed up because it's kind of paradoxical to me. The two, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The two is like um, innate, innate gifts, like naturally gifted in ways that can't explain. Can just do things um, that doesn't really know where they came from, so to speak. Is that right, Erasmus? Yeah, I would say that that has an element to it. Obviously, the two is known as the hermit too, so they like to have their space, like to be in their their world. And uh, mm. the six is the is the role model. But the, the six line goes through three stages, though. So from age zero to thirty, it's a three where it's going through the experimentation process, trial and error process, and bumping into life, bumping into relationships, figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And then it goes to the secondary phase where it kind of steps back and wants to kind of take all that subjective experience and turn into objective wisdom over time. And then really when they get to 50 years old, now, I mean, these dates can be a little arbitrary. They really step fully into their role as the role model to share and give wisdom into the into the world. But again, like all these different modalities, they they just they just shine a light on things that are so cool. And like, for me, what I, my favorite part about human design is just like the mechanical elements of strategy and authority, like honoring, like, Oh, wow, this is your unique decision-making process. Like if you honor these basic things, it's going to support the deconditioning process, you know? And that's what I like about it, you know, because you can get really complicated with all these things, but I like kind of coming back to the simplicity as well. It's like, mm-hmm. what can you focus on? What can any person really tap into? You don't need to get into the nu- the nuance of like every gate and the line and yeah. Okay. You cool. You can, it's cool. But, but the foundations are really powerful as well. So 
Anyways, mm. but like, again, I love it. Like I, I love getting readings. I love learning from different people and their gifts. And every time I've had one, I've been for every time. I'm just like, fuck. This yeah, every is so time. Crazy. Every I, time. I, I had an evolutionary astrology reading in January, um, which literally, oh, yeah. literally, literally changed my life. Um, you know, we didn't even start our group coaching program at this point in time. Um, you know, I discovered the significance of myself having a Capricorn moon um, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, pretty much we just went all in, in in building this podcast into a fully flourishing business and things have really, you know, paid off and we'll continue down that road for sure. Um, so that really, that's, that's another thing that's changed and shifted my trajectory. Um, I should go listen to that again, actually, for sure. You're asking us, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to take a guess at Sarah's human design type? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really, um, I'm not really like a guesser of, of Ready? human Three, design. Three, two, one. Uh, t- two, four? I don't know. No, type, type, type. Oh, type. <laughs> oh, I would think more, more a projector. Projector, yeah. But oh, I, really? But I, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really like. I don't spend time with you. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I'm a manifesting generator. Okay. Yeah. One of the two. Maybe. There we go. So, okay, so they have oh, one four, four, right? Like, oh. four, yeah. one four. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. cool. Yeah. Well, sometimes I think like people that are in gu- guidance positions, like as a guide, I like just. You know, and they're like a really nice present energy. I'm just like, okay, like they're they're a projector, but who knows? You know, my wife's a projector, three five. Anyways, this is all stuff so cool. I'm gonna hit you up afterwards though, because I I've never had a evolutionary astrology reading, so I'd like to uh, have one. Yeah, we could yeah. definitely do that. Yeah. And is there a way that like you could, I guess, um, work with people conjunctively, like together? Is there like a joint chart or a joint reading which can which can highlight different avenues as well for a partnership? Yeah, I love them. They're composite charts. You basically, you can do synastry too, which is to look at two charts together to see how they're interacting together. But the composite chart is really amazing because it takes the two charts and blends it into a third chart. So you're looking at the relationship almost as if it's a separate entity. Mm. And it shows the dynamics the relationship will enter into. Not just in the outer world with other people or whatever, but even the dynamics... um, of of the relationship itself and what it's here to kind of create uh and it can really help a couple understand why certain dynamics are occurring and how to uh, navigate a relationship so i think they're great especially for parents um but of course couples um anyone who wants to know each other um you can do multiples as well put multiple people together and create composites though i'm not very um I'm not very knowledgeable in that one. I just know that it's a possibility. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note, I don't know if you have any other questions, but I'd, I'd love to know, like, how can people get in touch with you and and reach out to you and learn more about you? Yeah. Um, well, you can go to my website. It's adeptguidance.com. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel that I'm not really posting on a lot these days, but I would recommend if anyone's interested to subscribe because I more than likely will be adding content in the coming months. Um, so those are my main two. I don't really go on social media a ton at the moment, but that might change. So those would be the places to go if you want to connect to me. Well, at least you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> We got deleted. Our channel got deleted a few a few weeks ago. Oh, so it was recent. Oh man, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. It's all good, you know. It's just I don't know. I I kind of like it. I feel like more badass. Like <laughs> we're, like we're doing yeah, something yeah. right. 
<laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I speak very esoterically in mine. So that's kind of how I've been able. Plus, I I don't know. I'm I'm not it's not like I got a ton of subs or anything. But um, yeah, I kind of I kind of avoid certain things words. just so that I can get the message across without mm-hmm. getting I get like, it. Using words. But yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. it. Cool. Any final words you have for our audience? Yes, yeah, Sarah, drive us home here. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I just want to just reaffirm that regardless of who anyone is, it really is worth your while to get to know who you are. I was somebody, um, you know, who had a lot to deal with growing up. It was really difficult for me. Most of my life was really difficult. And I won't say that my life is a breeze now, but I'll definitely say that I'm much more empowered and a lot more in tune with who it is I actually am because of the fact that I was willing and am willing and completely dedicated to knowing the truth of who I am, regardless of how much it hurts. So that, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that the pain is is kind of a lie in a lot of ways. The fear of self-knowledge can stop us from admitting things about ourselves. Humility is not about wriggling around on our stomach and being servile to others. It's about being open to knowing the truth and being willing to be wrong so that we can be more calibrated to what is true. When we do that, when we're sincere, the power that you come into contact with, it's like you don't even have to try to connect to these things. They just reveal themselves to you so that you can reemerge. Like the thing is, is that a lot of people may not be aware that they're afraid of their power, but that is often what it is because for many lifetimes and what is coded in us as far as memory is that it's unsafe to be fully empowered. But at this point in time, in reality, that's no longer true for most of us. It's worth our while to go there. And I sincerely believe that to change this world for the positive, to really make real changes, it's not selfish to get to know yourself and then be yourself. It's literally the only and best thing you can do. Um, kaboom beautifully said that sentiment echoes everything um that we're about and all the reasons that we started this platform in the first place every single person listening start pulling on that unique thread of authenticity what are all your life experiences culminating and pointing you towards and divination arts such as evolutionary astrology can really help ground that for you these are grounding tools they're not woo-woo tools they're grounding you they're embodying you so i really encourage every single person if you feel the call, head to Adept Guidance and check out Sarah's work and get a reading and discover yourself and begin to pull that thread. Um, you're here. You got, you know, who knows if it's one life or not, but I know it's a short time. So go start doing the great work and diving into the mystery of who you are on a much deeper level. Sarah, we've loved this conversation. We really appreciate your time. And to everyone listening, we'll catch you next time. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. We love having conversations like that. This is a very diverse podcast here. We cover pretty eclectic topics from week to week. Just want to remind you guys, if you're getting value out of what we're sharing and you want to dive a little bit deeper, please consider applying for our private membership community, Friends of the Truth, where you can come into our, I guess, inner private world, our inner community, get three month, get three calls a month um, and connect with some of the highest integrity community uh, you can imagine. So if you feel the call, head to friendsofthetruth.co and apply there. Also, we will be opening Rise Above the Herd one more time. This is our signature course um, in a couple weeks, and this will be our final run for the year. You can apply to join the course waitlist at riseaboveherd.co if you feel called in that direction. 
Much love to you all. We'll see you next week. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward an evolution to a place where we can share our confusions. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with confusion.